everyone, and welcome back to Once Upon a Timing, your podcast all about five words that I'm not sure if they're going to break Abby's brain or not, but I'm going to say them and I want to get her raw reactions because we haven't talked about it yet. Handsome in an unusual way. <sighs> Listen, <laughs> not wrong, but I feel like it was expressed strangely. <laughs> But, uh, uh, listen, when Graham was described as okay looking, I feel like we, our baseline was already wrong. Way off. <laughs> already way wrong. So, like, to be fair, what I was bracing myself for was much worse. I'll take this, I guess. <laughs> I suppose. They, they biffed his whole story anyway. Um, and this, by the way, this all led with me just watching, like, clips on youtube of jefferson's entire tenure of once upon a time <laughs> like i need i need the serotonin of it actually happening please because i'm just mad about this at no point does she even say mad hatter she nope. say it she doesn't say anything she just like kind of connects the dots like you she doesn't she like kind of leads us to water and then it's just like you can do the rest it's fine it's like okay yes. <laughs> Everybody, we are talking about chapters nine, oh, sorry, 10 through 13 of Reawaken, a Once Upon a Time tale. We're kind of booking it a little bit, and we got to be honest, uh, for next week's episode, we're going through the rest of it. We're going through the final third, because to be perfectly honest, this book is not very good, and we are ready to move on to something that has more originality to it, because I know that we didn't really have high hopes for this. It's a YA novel, you know, Once Upon a Time ad adaptation. But this was honestly way worse than I was anticipating. And I'm just... This... I said this to Tim earlier. And I feel like it's just hit really close to home. This is feeling like the later seasons of Charmed Reboot. A scathing review. A scathing review. Um, I agree. <laughs> I had the same feeling. Like I was like, mostly not so much about it specifically, but our reactions. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like it was a speed run of us doing that show where we were just like, it's it's fine. It's fine. I'm sure it'll... And then by the end of it, we're just like, so anyway. Um, we're <laughs> so this happened. About we're back again <laughs> against our will. <laughs> like... Um, yeah, it's just, some of it's fine. Like, they went way deep in the paint on uh, Ruby's story on Red. We got so much of that. Not not as much as I think, obviously, anyone would like. But we got a lot of hand-waving on so many other parts. And we're just, I feel like I'm skimming the wiki on the season. And... And we said this last week, and I will reiterate it again. I, I don't think this is a book for diehard fans to to glean anything from because there's no nugget of, um, there, there's nothing to feed us. We are not being sustained by this. Yeah, and it's also not for people who aren't familiar with the show because it it assumes you it assumes an inherent knowledge that you have to have. It, because otherwise you will be, I think you'd just be totally confused. Not that you wouldn't be able to follow along, but that it would just seem kind of nonsensical. I So I was thinking about that, and I, I agree with you that the, the Venn diagram is not the diehard fans, but people still familiar with the show. So I think this is for, I, I don't want this, this, this doesn't, I'm not going to try to sound condescending when I say this, but like for the casual watcher who maybe watched it back in the, back when it first aired, and remembered enjoying it, but needed something to read, and they weren't, like, super invested in the fandom, and they aren't, like, real big readers either. Like, it's just for a very specific person, I feel like, is a very specific audience, neither of which that we are. So, yeah. our, our review is not, so if you are a diehard fan of this, this is not the book for you. This no. is just, simply isn't. It's also, like... I, I cannot figure out if it's just poorly written and not edited or whatever. I, at one point, uh, at one point they referred to Rumpelstiltskin as Miss M-I-S-S -S Gold. <laughs> My, and then in another one, gold isn't capitalized. Yeah, correct. Like, it's just, there's so many random, the POVs are all starting to get real sloppy. Like, I feel like, again, it feels like fan fiction. Like when you're reading something and then the author just 
like goes back to college and suddenly doesn't have time but is desperately trying to keep up with her posting schedule <laughs> so just uh and then and then and then and then and then uh the potion wore off because she didn't kill the queen and uh she found love uh the end um anyway i gotta go uh sorry for the updates sorry you haven't seen me in four and a half months but i'll be back on a regular schedule and then she doesn't post again for another six months <laughs> you, you sound a little familiar with this I, I listen is it a personal is it it is it is it a very deep sense of uh personal things that i have done yes maybe listen for a different time <laughs> <laughs> all right well everybody we're going to be going chapter by chapter in this uh week's episode and next week so that way if you're because we're we're kind of blasting through to get through the rest of this book but you know you might want to be taking a little more time maybe you're reading it slower we don't want to just like run over everything uh, especially for next week's episode, which is going to be like six or seven chapters. So we'll go one chapter at a time. So that way, if you want to make sure that you, you know, if you're reading one chapter at a time, you can take a little break, get to the next chapter, and then continue with our wonderful narrative. So we're going to start with chapter 10. And already we get what honestly I think is actually my favorite part of the entire book, but it's not oh. on purpose. <laughs> It's the title of chapter 10. What happened to Frederick? And the reason is Frederick is never mentioned in this chapter. So the real, it is a real question. What happened to Frederick? I we don't it. know. Who is he just sort of wildly flipping through a book? Like I, did I, what who's happened? Frederick? What happened? What's going on? Oh my goodness. Um, that's hysterical. I didn't connect that at all. That's so funny. I just, I love it so much because Frederick, is uh, the 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 gold then the the man who was frozen by King Midas and turned into gold who ca- who's Catherine's true love, and that story is not explored at all. And of course, the reason is is that you know that's a story that neither uh, Emma or Mary Margaret slash Snow would be privy to, and it's not one that Henry yells at her randomly. Yeah, I I am obsessed with what's in the book that Henry knows. Versus what he doesn't know. Because, yeah, he just randomly is like, oh, yeah, I know this story top to bottom. And then other times he's like, I need to go back and, like, read it again. It's like, how do you know the book or not? Like, what are you doing with your time? Like, shouldn't you be reading this book constantly? Don't you? Haven't you had this book for so long? Anyway. Yes. Well, yeah, because this we we learn that in, in another scene, just off camera, just off the page, uh, the storm had damaged Henry's castle. And so Regina had taken the opportunity to knock it down and it was like a big scandal in the show. But she was like, I'm putting in a new safer playground. Look how good a mayor I am. But Henry had buried the book in the sand. So now he doesn't know where it is. But luckily for her, Henry knows a lot of the stories by heart. So she can just cheer him up by being like, hey, can you exposition to me for a little while? While I'm barely listening again. Yeah, she she's just it seems so condescending. Oh, like, so condescending. I mean, you're 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 a mom of a, a child, probably around you know just under Henry's age. So sometimes you have to listen to stories that you don't care about. But like, this is the wrong way to do it because kids can tell when you like kids ki- kids can tell when you're you've crossed the line into obviously not giving a shit. Well, because you're also supposed to be like talking to them. Mm-hmm. And if you were just staring at them, having like this internal monologue of being like, my goodness, he's just so cute and small. I wish he wasn't so crazy. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because she's, she, if I'm remembering correctly in the show, she is actually listening because she does start piecing stuff together based on those stories. She does dismiss them, but she is listening. Like it's, <laughs> I hear you, but I don't believe you, which is different than I'm not listening and I don't believe you. Because she spends this whole chapter being like, it's probably for the best that the book is lost. Although he seems super bummed about it. I guess I'll tell him I'm looking for it. Like, what? And then I think this is the chapter where she's always like, I think I'm, I think I'm starting to love Henry. And I'm like, while the book is like fully missing and she's like, maybe it's for his mental health that we don't find the book. It's like, what do you love? You never explain anything nothing is ever explained no love is ever explained in any way shape or form spoiler alert i'm gonna guess for the rest of the book can you remind me uh do you remember what episode or what time in the series that henry and hopper were stuck in the mine 
Had this already happened by this point in the story? I feel like yes, because like it was it was right around this time because and this is just me guessing, but I do remember it starts happening because Henry is obsessed with the idea that it's in the mind and then like, yeah. Yeah, I think it happens around this time, if not just a little before. Yeah, because I'm feeling like if 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 the writer chose not to include that storyline, I feel like it was a missed opportunity because that's honestly one where, yeah, Hopper is cricket and you have that whole story, which is one of the darkest backstories in all of Once Upon a Time so far. But you can you you can have that storyline exist without it. And it'd be interesting to go through Emma's perspective and for that, because Henry's in danger. He's fallen. He she's trying to save him. She she gets herself in the harness and she ropes herself down. Regina's there. She's terrified for Henry's safety. They have kind of a weird bonding moment between them. Like that one, I honestly expected to see somewhere in this book. And it's just not even like a, oh, that happened last week. It's just never mentioned. Yeah, I I want to say that, yes, it happened before then, because I feel like this was this, what we get into in these next couple of chapters is where the the story starts to run away towards the end game. Yeah. So, yes. So this chapter, I will say, I think I've solved another clue about our mystery author, is that she's British. Mm, what makes uh, you say beca- that? Uh, because when uh, Emma goes to pay at Granny's in that chapter, she refers to going to the till. She goes, she's going to go to the till to pay. And I, I clock that as strange because that is not a turn of phrase an American or an East Coaster would use. No, that is not an American uh, turn of phrase. So one thing, one highlight I want to make from this chapter is the story that Henry tells her because she's asking him to tell her a story from memory because he's bummed and she wants to make him feel better without caring what he's saying. And this was probably one of the weirdest things that's happened in the book so far. Because he tells her the whole story of how Snow had drank the potion and got really obsessed with killing the queen and then Charming teamed up with Red to save her and then stopped her from killing the queen by stepping in front of the arrow and all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. That's all fine. Like two chapters from now, we're going to get that whole, that like the first half of that as a backstory for Snow. And, and and the chapter's called What Happened to Frederick. I thought he was going to start going into the whole Catherine Frederick story. See, but- and this this is where we start losing the thread of the parallels in the show. Because, again, the what's happening to her with without taking the potion is saying that, like, without love to, like, ground her, she becomes, you know, a, 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 just obsessed with, with her, her revenge. Um, you know, obviously, this is this is what is missing from Regina. Regina does not have love in her life, so she is obsessed with revenge. Like, that's supposed to parrot that. It's also supposed to, I think, subtly inform the fact that since they are both in Storybrooke and all, all of them are missing giant pieces of themselves and forget the things that made them who they were, they are becoming these weird, gross monster people, specifically <laughs> David. Oh, my God, I forgot how much I hated... David um especially like this chapter even Emma's just like I don't understand why Mary Margaret's getting the brunt of this she's like I get it I understand like because that's how people are but still this is his problem because he's awful and he is I hated him so much so very much um I'm trying to think what what else did I have yeah but we don't have those parallels so when we hand wave through that story it's just to put it in there because it was in the episode but it didn't need to be in there because there's nothing to parallel. Yeah, but it also kind of wasn't in the episode because in that episode, you know, Catherine, the fiance, is like trying to get is is helping Charming to rescue Snow. But in exchange for the whole, you know, help save my boyfriend, Frederick, from being frozen in gold by going to a mermaid that looks like Snow. Like there's a whole separate story. The what happened to Frederick of it all. Beth, what happened to Frederick? Um, <laughs> the question for the ages. And then all, and then the other thing that's really weird is uh, Mary Margaret and David are just having their affair again. It's so clunky. Like the last time we we saw them, he gave her the wrong Valentine's Day card, and she said it was over. And then the next time we hear about it, it's oh, but for the past couple of weeks we've been having an affair. It's like what? 
And we, we fight, you know, couples. We fight. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. Well, I think in the effort to may streamline the story so there's not too many tendrils, they just absolutely murdered the story. There's so much stuff. And it's, again, it's what makes that the story, the entire plot of the first season so compelling is that there are so many threads that tie into all of this stuff that Regina has just wiped from the face of the earth to put into this town, which is why everyone's acting like a bunch of nuts. Does not explain why Emma's acting like a nut. Uh, My favorite, I didn't write the line down exactly, but after Emma almost goes to the till to pay, uh, she notices Mary Margaret. So she goes back and she sits down with Mary Margaret and orders another cup of coffee. And then she she thinks to herself, "Wow, I'm really going." Cra-. What she says, she's like going crazy at uh, the diner. She's like, "This pr- the most hard I've gone in a diner in a long time." Ooh, Emma, two cups of coffee. Ooh. Slow down, girl. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a breather, okay? Didn't know Don't Emma was a party animal. Don't even talk to me I've had my two cups of coffee. What is what is Emma a theater kid in the early 2000s <laughs> hanging out at Denny's drinking burnt black coffee? I'm so crazy. <laughs> Let's go. Abby, that's way too real. That hit me in my heart. <laughs> I'm just like, just openly attacking every theater kid listening. <laughs> like. So yeah, and then we get the scene where, you know, David tells Mary Margaret that he he broke it off with Catherine, told her everything, and then Catherine shows up and smacks her in the face and is like, he didn't tell me shit. We don't know how she found out, but we assume it's, you know, we assume it's Regina, but the story doesn't assume anything. Like Mary Margaret at no point, like wonders to herself, how did Catherine find out? It's, it's, it's so weird. Just the weird things that are missing, you know? There's just, there's no extra thought. There's no trying to suss out a story or anything. Like they suspect Regina, but only when it's convenient. Um, I forgot how much I also really liked this because I loved Catherine in this moment because I was like, yes, hell yeah, go assault a woman at a public school. <laughs> like, be mad. She's mad at the wrong person, obviously, uh, because again, we should be mad at David because he is a big uh, love bombing, lying, awful person who doesn't, he's like, I don't want anyone to get hurt. I just wish no one was hurt ever. It's like, okay, so lying to everybody? This makes David's whole story in like season two where he's like, we are both. It's like, don't be both, man. <laughs> let David, let David go. Yeah, let David this guy go, go far away. Yeah. And, but I also don't want, you know, Mary Margaret is, is also responsible. I don't want to be 100%. like, she, you know, I'm, she's getting the brunt of it because of systemic sexism. But, you know, Catherine going to smack her is justified. No, yes, yeah, She's very culpable. Perhaps more smacks needed to be handed out, but like at least she was hoping for honest. Again, she had no skin in that game. Like being honest to Catherine uh, didn't affect her in any way, shape or form. Like it was David that needed to own up to what mm-hmm. was going on. But again, he should have done that in the beginning. Yep. Because when we lie and we keep moving forward, it festers and yeah. that lie gets worse because it's never going I feel like every time you think to yourself, I'm just going to like, it's fine. Like, I'm just going to let it go. It's like when, like, at a very much lower stakes level, it's when someone doesn't quite know your name and you don't correct them. And then it just goes on and on and on and on and on (laughs) until, like, they address you in public in front of a bunch of people as the wrong name. And everyone's just like, you know what I mean? Where you're just like, okay, well, because you couldn't correct them quietly in person three months ago, now they've embarrassed themselves. Like, again, much lower stakes, but, like, don't lie to people. That's me on my soapbox. (laughs) No, no, no. It's best to be, it's best to be honest, rip off the Band-Aid, because if you rip off the Band-Aid before it, it's, before the skin covers it and and you get this layer of epidermis over it, it's going to hurt a lot less. Anyway, (laughs) that was. then goes on to lie constantly. I forgot how much charming lies to them. All oh my, of the time. He does. And in print, it feels a lot worse. It feels gross in print. I hate it in print. And yeah, so then the other story is that August takes Emma out for a drink. Oh, and water. for a drink, it's the water in the well. Uh, and don't drink that water. <laughs> and they drink it and then just no follow up to it. We never hear anything about it again. August doesn't ask her, hey, do you feel magic yet? Emma, you know, like there's. 
it's so weird. It's just like they clink their glasses and they drink, and that's like the last of it. Well, they, but they, but she finds a book. She so does they, find she, the book. She does they, find the book. But again, she never mentally connects it. You j- you have to be doing that extra work for the book. Mm-hmm. Like, she never realizes it on her own. She never even considers it. She just never thinks about it again. I am I am simultaneously also reading a court of uh, the 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 mm-hmm. book series a court of. They think about everything all the time. <laughs> At any given moment, they are thinking about fifteen different things. The the main character. I'm only on like the third book right now, and she is constantly just thinking in her brain. Like what strategies are and what people must be thinking and doing and feeling. And sometimes she's wrong. And then later she pieces it together and finds out what it is. We don't get any of this. We don't get any actual internal monologue other than them moving from place to place. The one thing you and I absolutely wanted from this, we did not get. No. And the this chapter ends with Catherine is missing. Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. Uh, and then any final thoughts about chapter ten before we move on to Red Handed? I do not. It was just kind of a for as much as that happened. I guess there was a nothing burger of a chapter. It was. Poor and, Frederick. And chapter eleven is uh, uh, largely about the Catherine is missing. Everyone's trying to figure out what happened. Uh, David is uh, is a little sus, um, and also Mary Margaret is the tramp of the town. Not my word. Someone painted it on her car. That's not me. I don't say that. Um, <laughs> one little thing. I'm just reading through through my notes because uh, there's a whole thing with like Sydney and how he's like he's helping he's helping Emma out, which we we know is like a double cross. Yeah. But there was a line here, a little bit of uh, scene setting, apart from what we normally get, where Emma says, Emma had been forced to escort him home one night after finding him drunk and raving in the middle of Main Street at midnight. That's the stuff I want. Like, yeah. give me that scene. Don't just recreate the show. Give me that scene. Like, give me the good, give me the weird stuff. Give me the stuff I don't know. Yeah, fill me in. Go to the radio station. <laughs> Talk to the <laughs> DJ there. Because apparently this town is humongous. Mm-hmm. Um, because when we look for Catherine, uh, I don't remember if it's Emma or Snow, points out that hundreds of people line up hand in hand to comb the forest. Hundreds? Well, in season one, well, I, they, well, okay. they had a budget. <laughs> I understand. But still... Hundreds. I don't think there are hundreds of people in town. It is... The problem I have with this, and the show does this too, but in the book, it never makes it clear how big of a town it is. It seems like it is humongous, but also so very small. Like Because we only see the main street. Yeah, and then it's just like also, you know, jump to chapter 13 where there's a man living in a giant house that no one ever noticed. What? How did we never notice this? That's the magic and the mystery of Storybrooke. It just keeps slowly opening itself to Emma being like, you're here, you're welcome. You now get to see the gated community. (laughs) This is where the HOA is. (laughs) Yeah, see, this area was blocked by rocks before, so you couldn't open it until until you got the right tool that you got uh, uh, the explosive from the uh, from the miner after completing that side quest. So then you can open up. That you can dem- you can do the demolition and get access into the other part of town, and and then you to, delivered to get the treasure, and then mm-hmm. you delivered all those chickens, yes. so that that guard didn't have to keep working overtime to pay for new chickens, so he got to stand down from his post, so you were able to get through the gates. So exactly, it's, like once you do all those things, like it's not weird, guys. It's just no. it's just the linear movement of time, and <laughs> <laughs> so you never end up somewhere in which you are not prepared. For the level 14 wild hogs on the other side of the hill. <laughs> and roll for initiative. Okay, so uh, so yeah, while everybody's looking for Catherine and David is seeming a little bit more suspicious, we also get um, uh, more about Red, Ruby, who is going to be explored more in the next book in our series, which is the Red, the Untold Story, which I'm very excited so about. So pumped for that book. And, like, based on this chapter, like, I think even this author was like, 
Red's the interesting one to write about. Red's got the good stuff. Red's got the cool story. Because this was more visceral. There's like bodies and blood and oh, the snow. And yeah. Like, like, like she got uh, a little bit more visceral in her description than this one. And I was, I was, I was, I was here for it. It wasn't good, but it wasn't as bad. No, it, it just, it, yeah, it wasn't great. Um, but yes, it, it had so much more description. You got a lot more of Snow's inner monologue. Cause at one point she's like, where did I get, like, what is this place? What's happening? And explaining how she feels about things. But it's not towards the stuff that matters, which is what bums me out. This story, like, I've always loved Red Story. It was great in the show. It was great how they set it up. Um, I, do, I do think it's funny that I feel like this depiction of Granny is just not as strong as Granny's actual character. Like, at one point she says, I. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, oh, is this, is it, do you, have you seen a wolf before? I. It's, is she a pirate? <laughs> I have seen the, I've seen the wolf. He came for me. He walked the plank. I feel like it's really hard to capture the essence that is Granny with a crossbow. That's hard. Did they mention to do. she had a crossbow at some point? I feel like I didn't clock her. She ever. did it, with a silver-tipped arrow. I remember the silver-tipped yeah. arrow. I feel like I just maybe I maybe I just blocked it out. Uh, but yeah, they kind of explain it. But again, they don't. They go into so much great detail about certain things. I loved. I love her story and that poor boy. Ugh. Her poor boy, Peter. Poor Peter. Yeah. What happened to Peter? Oh, Peter. And it's that is probably one of my favorite fairy tale, like, interpretations. Not in so much, like, the red is the wolf thing. We've seen it done. I like it, but I've seen it done. I love the fact that the boy's name is Peter, because Peter and the wolf. But then they think Peter is the wolf, but then Peter's not the wolf. Peter is with the wolf, so it's Peter and the wolf, and the wolf ate Peter. <laughs> It's just like, how can we just like, luckily they all have similar names. So it's real easy to just smash a bunch of stories together. But like, that's always been one of my favorite scenes um, in the in the first uh, season was the reveal is, you know, Mm -hmm. poor Peter chained to that poor damn tree. It's be like, uh, uh, uh. And it's just like, hey, look, a big giant wolf. Neat. Um, Yeah. I like this story, like the development of uh, Ruby. Because she's just like, I loved, I loved her. She's like, I'm not good at anything. I can smell him. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so bad at everything. I can smell a man in the forest. (laughs) Emma, what? I I can hear him. He's just like, she's doing that thing. Um, oh no. What's the movie? Uh, Is it, it's Finding Nemo 2 where they go to the aquarium and there's that one guy that he's like, uh, the one uh, whale that like beluga. Is that a blue whale? And he's like trying to like use a sonar <laughs> and he just keeps going, ooh. <laughs> it's I do, we do it all the time randomly at our house because it's just mm-hmm. one of those, hey, can you find the keys? Yeah, hold on. Ooh. <laughs> Put our hands to our head. Ooh. <laughs> anyway, sorry, tangent. Oh, no, it's all good. There's one thing in this chapter that I want to point out because it is something new. Doesn't make it good, but it's something new because it was, and it was. And it was weird. Uh, have you noticed the dream sequences in the book so far? Yeah. So we've had one or two already. They're usually Snow or Mary Margaret. And they're, they've usually been just like a couple sentences. It's typically Snow just kind of having a uh, remembering her past with her mother. And again, this is not really something we explored in, cha- in season one. So it's a new thing. We get a longer one in this chapter, and it's horrifying. <laughs> it's rough. Like, I was in there reading. I'm like, wait a minute. What? I and don't recognize this. <laughs> I'm dead. You're dead. We're all dead. What? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> because in it, she's, like, dreaming that they're on, like, a beach or something, or they're, she's a little girl with her dad, and then she sees her mom in the water, and then he's like, go to her. And he's like, I can't get to her. And he says, you can, you have to swim, but I'm afraid. It doesn't matter, cried her father. She's dead anyway, and so am I. And then she wakes up. (laughs) What the fuck? What the heck? First of all, 100% sounds like a dream I would have. Where it's like, hey, go do things. I'm going to try to do those things. None of it matters because of two random events. Okay. And then you wake up. 
what in the hell just <laughs> i'm so stressed out and i don't know why um yeah i love i'm dead you're dead we're like it's just so aggressively dark like i feel like the author was going through something in this chapter mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and it was translating itself onto the page I'm I'm kind of, I think one of my favorite lines though is when Red describes the wolf as big as a pony but a lot more bloodthirsty. <laughs> Which to be fair, it sounds like 100% something that a girl in a bright red cloak who does not care. It's like, "Oh, <laughs> like what does he look like? Oh my god, he's like a big pony but like way more bloodthirsty." Anyway, you should hear about my boyfriend Peter. He is the best. <laughs> he rules. And I love when the book gets very book writey about the dialogue because there's a way that dialogue is written in a book versus how it's written in a show. Like books are way more descriptive. Like if you read something, like I'll read you this section and you tell me if this is something uh, that Granny would say in the show. Okay. So Granny gives them a long look and she's remembering. This is this is during the uh, when she's telling them you guys can't outrun the wolves. Just hide your kids, hide your wife. When we're in the town hall meeting, yes, the Parks and yes. Rec town hall meeting, where it's like, "Don't burn our crops." Okay, Kill the got beast. It. it looked at me with black eyes that didn't even seem to be there. They were holes in the world, and then it walked away. You ever see a wild animal just turn its back and walk away like you don't matter? If this wolf is like that one, there is no defeating it. It has already won just by existing in our world. You don't kill it. All you do is hide. That's not like, I mean, pieces of it. Yeah, maybe a person would say that's not a thing a person would say. I feel like that's the thing a camp counselor says with a flashlight under their chin. (laughs) (laughs) It's eyes holes in the world and it turned and walked away. Do you think something like that fears a mortal man? No. I do like that she, like, randomly slips in. I don't remember... I, again, I don't remember the exact dialogue of the show. But she's just like, oh, no, there was a wolf when I was a kid. Obviously, this is a different wolf. No one calls her on this. Why would you think it's a different wolf? Why can't it be the same monster wolf? Uh, she also mentions it's the second ogre war. And something about seeing it in the second ogre war in print made me laugh for some reason. Really? <laughs> I don't know why. It just seemed like seeing, you know, I saw him in the second ogre war. It it invoked World War II to me for some reason, just seeing it in print. And it just had that just like, I've seen it. I was there. I was there when they stormed the beaches. And it's like, but it also like, I guess I, I, I didn't realize the timeline it had set. Um, that early on, how old Rumpelstiltskin was. Mm. You know what I mean? Was, Where it was he just was like, the first one, yeah. Right, and we don't really get a lot of that. No. Again, because all of that explanation about Rumpelstiltskin's involvement in those things, a Henry throwaway, Emma describing Henry talking about a story that doesn't belong to them. Like, just so many layers of a regular casual reader would not clock. And I mean, that's pretty much the kind of the, the bulk of the episode is is Ruby helps Emma to try and track down uh, first try and track down David, who's disappeared in the woods and is all catatonic and because he's remembering his past and then to try and find something at the bridge. And she does. It's a human heart in a box. And uh oh, Snow White, Mary Margaret's fingerprint is in the box. Oh, no, she's arrested for murder <laughs> A murderer. Um, and the word of this chapter used slightly incorrectly and oddly was glib. Glib. Uh, they're just talking in the, like, they're like, oh yeah, like Catherine is whatever. She's like leaving and they're talking about something. And then there's like a moment of watching Granny and Ruby doing something. And Emma Juice goes, I'm so sorry. I was being glib. We were talking about David. I'm like, you weren't saying anything. <laughs> you weren't doing anything, saying anything. And if you and anything you were saying before that was not being glib. You are being glib. You're not like, like I, I don't know. The way she used it was so strange. And trying to put that into the like context of the characters is so bizarre. Because most of these strange words have been used narratively. But, like, glib, and then later there's another one in chapter 13 that makes me laugh the most. Uh, But glib is the word in which we used wrong, which is, like, shallow and insincere, neither of which Emma was being in that moment. (laughs) 
Not at all. Um, there's one more moment I want to read out because it just, I cackled when I read this. So it's when after Red has killed Peter and the hunting party is coming and Granny tells Snow to get her home, get her safe. They're too close. And it says, Snow and Granny locked eyes and Snow understood. How did she understand? Side note. Granny could control the wolf inside and she was going back to protect them. That's a big leap in logic, Snow. (laughs) But okay. But then she says, I'll see you there, Granny said, in the morning. This is my favorite part. Needless to say, Granny survived. The hunting party did not. I'm obsessed with that. Needless to say, Granny murdered a bunch of people. Granny absolutely (laughs) destroyed a group of men. And probably with glee in her heart. See, you didn't listen. This, it had a very arrested development. This is what happens when you don't leave a note moment where it's like, well, I told you not to track the wolf. You tracked the wolf. You found a different wolf. And now you murdered. Oh, mm-hmm. sad for you. Yeah, but you can tell that this was probably one of the author's favorite stories or episodes or storylines because it's by far the longest chapter that we've gotten so far, apart from chapter one. Yeah, like you could tell that like either that or she watched it. Like, it was one of those, well, there's a lot going on in this one, or someone told her. Mm-hmm. There was so much more attention to detail, and yeah. so much more, like, it was like, oh, good, Snow's involved in this one, so I can actually get into it. Could you imagine if Snow wasn't part of Red's story? Oh, Red, Ruby from the diner? Yeah, she's a werewolf. <laughs> also, her granny is a werewolf, and she murdered a bunch of people. Oh, my God. Yeah, there, oh, yeah, it's a long, Also, like, she had a boyfriend named Peter, and she murdered him. <laughs> She murdered him and she's been super sad about it. Like, which is really funny because I don't think we ever come back on that. Even after the curse, like Ruby's never just like, oh, Peter, I miss you. She's just like, I killed him. It's fine. It's like remembering her high school boyfriend. She's just like, oh yeah, that was a nice time. But I don't remember why we broke up because you murdered him. Oh, well, damn. (laughs) Because you ate him and his insides are in your body. Well, okay. So that was the other thing. They talk about how like. Because Peter, Peter dies, like, right, right, a wolf murders him. And then it's just, like, Ruby is, like, staring. She's, like, staring at his body. She's staring. I'm, like, I don't think there's anything left to dear Peter. Like, I don't think there's, like, a corpse with just, like, one wolf bite in him. No, I'm pretty sure it was, like, entrails and stuff. Yeah, she's staring sadly at what, what organs the wolf didn't deign to eat. Ah, his kitties were so nice. They're so cute, just like Peter. <laughs> Well, everyone, we are now going into chapter 12, Heart of Darkness. And this is where we get the thing I was talking about before, where we start getting Snow White's backstory about the thing that Henry already told us about. So there's really no point to this because we don't learn anything interesting. Like we're learning it. It's new in the context of the book, but we're not learning anything of value. The only thing I can think since and and I won't get into chapter 13 until we get there but like I think it sets up that she fights because mm. we get the whole story of like she's angry they have an intervention with her she gets super angry about the intervention as I've learned people with interventions do <laughs> they don't usually have a fun time at them so she's like I will then simply go kill the queen and so she goes and she like drop kicks the black knight <laughs> and like tries to like just steals all his armor or whatever. I think that's just setting up that she can fight. And that's the only reason this is here because there's no resolution to that story. No, it's just, he, Oh, she, she took the potion. She doesn't remember anything. So she's like, like she's like an angry hornet. That's it. That's the story. Yeah. It's really weird. And like, if, why do we need to set that up in the context of the book? She's a, we've already established she's a bandit. We've already established that she uh, fought Prince Charming, like physically, you know, had hand to hand combat with him. You know, she's been a survivor for a long time. She's a thief. Like, it's already very well implied that she can take care of herself physically. So her fighting as Mary Margaret wouldn't be something that would surprise us. It makes sense for Snow's character as described in the book. So we didn't need this. Like this could have, we could have done anything else with this, with this, with this time we have on this great earth. (laughs) 
I don't know. Again, it's one of those things where these backstories are supposed to be paralleling the present, which is what they're there for. And this doesn't at all because, you know, oh, Mary Margaret's in jail now and Emma is having the most back and forth thought process about Mm -hmm. it. She's like, oh, it's like, it's probably fine. It's, she's probably not a murderer. Okay. But, like, you have no reason to believe she is or isn't. And, I, I don't know. This just drove me nuts because it just... It just didn't make any sense. Yeah. She's just like, oh, yeah, I have you in jail. Like, I know it wasn't you, but they never establish why. There is no point in which it's like, she was with us constantly. I always know where she is. The amount of time she would need to abduct Catherine, (laughs) drag her somewhere, pull her heart out with the way Emma believes hearts are removed, you know, violently with a hunting knife, dispose of a body... And then go back home. That is not something you do in a quick 30 minutes. No. She's with her most of the time. She has alibis for a lot of it. And I just, none of it ever gets brought up. Not a single bit of it. The only thing Emma is clocking to be weird is the fact that Regina's just like, it's not David. It's not David. It's not David. It's never been David. Uh, Which is a story, again, more stuff that we just fully don't uh, explore enough. And yeah, so she's in she's in jail. Miss Gold, I love Miss Gold. That my Miss, favorite Miss type. Miss Gold. Of, Miss Gold is going to represent her, and the whole chapter where Gold and then David show up, I thought was in Emma's POV when we started, but it ends in Mar- Mary Margaret's POV. Yeah, and then the very next chapter or the very next like paragraph, the next like little section, it is ambiguous as to whose POV it is. Which drives me bonkers. If we were just going to do it this way, just do an omniscient narrator. Like, talk about them both interchangeably. Don't POV them. Because we're not even getting enough of their inner thoughts to matter. Yeah, we're not getting enough of their 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 voice and their perspective to even make it a POV. It doesn't feel like a POV. It feels like a limited omniscient narr- Like, a limited omniscient narrator. Which is so weird, because then we miss out on so much of the story. It's, this book is very badly written. This book, this is the part where we really started hitting the skids on this one. Um, Yeah. And so, yeah, so basically, I I don't have a lot to say about this chapter. It's just, Snow goes to jail. And it's Uh, so short. She gets a lawyer, and David is the worst. David's like, hey, I can't believe you murdered my wife. This chapter is only 10 pages, whereas the red one, and I'm going to read it. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30. 30 pages for the red chapter and 10 pages for Heart 10 of pages Darkness. for one of our main characters being accused of murder. Yeah. Like, if that doesn't show you where the author's priorities lie, I don't know what does. Because the author only wrote this book to tell Ruby's story. It was an audition to do the red book. Maybe, maybe the, maybe the writer of this, it's the ghost pen name of the writer of the red story. She's like, this is the only one I care about. And I don't want my name attached to this one. Dude, you're right, though. This does have like Game, Game of Thrones season seven and eight vibes to it of just like we're just hustling through the story bit by beat whether it makes sense or not so yes so abby yes beth it's time are you it is time it is time for for simba to to rise up to pride rock and talk about chapter 13 hat trick hat trick god i this whole story makes so much less sense like, it's already a really wild, like, this is such a cool, like, because we have the idea of Storybrooke in general, right? Like, at this point, it's very well established. We're like, yes, these are fairy tale characters. All of their memories are bun-wiped. Emma is the only one that is outside of this, maybe August, and Henry kind of knows what's up. And then introducing Man on the Hill, <laughs> or as Emma <laughs> refers to him, like a lord. <laughs> like, huh? Um... 
like that knows all of this stuff. And it's such an unsettling episode in the show. And it's only slightly unsettling in the in the in the chapter. It just seems like more of Emma's hand waving of just like anyway, I was in this giant house full of top hats, whatever. But yeah, we we run over Je- poor Jefferson in the streets because Snow White, I'm sorry, Mary Margaret is a uh on the loose. She ran away. She's not in jail. Yeah. She she escaped and she thinks she thinks that the hatter slipped the key under her pillow. Which I don't recall that being the theory in the episode. No, because we never we never we never get there. Um I know she's she's I know that the telescope is pointing at the station, so she has some suspect stuff. Um, the only wor- the only note I have about this whole chapter, because I read the whole thing just like with my face against my Kindle being like, read, 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 read. <laughs> I have to know everything that happens. And I was severely disappointed at the end. But when she hits him with the car, with her car, she gets out and she's like, oh, she doesn't say he's limping. She says he's gimping. Now, is it the correct word? Yes. Wait, no. She says gimping. No, that's not right. It can't be. Yeah. No, he said, she's, he, I, I, hold on. We're both like frantic. No, he is gimping back towards the road. He is. Oh my God. Gimping back to the road. (laughs) I'm sorry. uh, Gimp is a different word. That we're not going to talk about in the podcast. Like, I get that, like, Webster's Dictionary may define it as closer to limp, but it is not the reason people use the word gimping. <laughs> anyway, moving right along, we get up into the hand. Is that so much of his storyline is lost by him just telling her in some sort of weird third party or third point of view fairy tale way but he doesn't even say the evil queen he just keeps saying a bad lady a bad woman we lose all of that story he does not expound on any of it. he's like yeah he he lived with his daughter he loved his daughter and then this mean old lady showed up tricked him into going to wonderland and the only um connection we get with that is emma going oh wonderland i didn't see that coming and then he just keeps talking and so it's like, yeah, but then like she betrayed him and the Queen of Hearts um, kept him. I don't even think we mentioned his head being cut off. No, no, she, she he does where when she takes off the scarf and he has the scar, he says off with her head. And that's and he laughs. That's all we get. Like, that's yeah, we, we don't we don't get the my favorite act of CGI in that show is Jeffers is just Sebastian Stan's head up against a green screen. Like, who's <laughs> <laughs> we also get another dream in this chapter and this time it's emma and yes. she's dreaming about jefferson and his daughter i just so here's my here's my question why isn't why aren't these longer why yeah. can't we do these dream sequences with a little bit of length to them because a it discredits the storybook stories to me as a reader like, if I just see a bunch of dream sequences, I'm like, oh, it's fiction. She's dreaming them. It keeps me from being like, oh, Emma's just outside. Like, Emma is outside of this. She just needs to believe. I, I Stories like this need you to be, like, teetering on the edge of, like, whether you side with Emma or not. And yeah. that's what this story does. Because this story is not clearly laying out that it's true. It just keeps piecemealing it to you. Being like, do you believe? Do you believe? But the show is just like, no, yeah, no, Emma is the chosen one. You're rooting for her to come around. You know the secret. We all know the secret. But the book doesn't give you the secret. No, and I think the other issue is since we're getting dreams from Snow, Mary Margaret, and from Emma, it's it's this weird dichotomy because Emma's dreams are real. Like, she's dreaming of a real thing that happened in the Enchanted Forest. Snow's dream is not real. Snow's dream is a bastardized version of her past where her father screams at her that he's dead and so is her mom. So, like, it conflates the two. We don't get a distinction between them. So I was honestly like, who is she dreaming about? Is she dreaming about Snow 
and her dad hiding from the queen? Is this a metaphor? Like, it took me a while to understand that this was a dream about Jefferson. I like the idea that Snow's dreams are her processing trauma and having, like, weird therapy sessions in her brain where, like, something odd also should have also been, like, crabs should have been, like, raining from the sky where it's like, oh, yes, this is a means that, like, change is coming and you're hard shell, da 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 But Emma's dreams are just factual things about the world. <laughs> so, like, Emma's a seer. Like, she has a superpower in which her superpower is not I can tell when people are lying. Superpowers of just I know your past. I dream about your life. Boy, one hell of a first date. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See, and, like, I, I still think that's incredibly silly, but that would have been more interesting than Henry just explaining all these stories to her. Like, imagine if she's, like, dreaming about these stories and and then seeing the parallels in the books and, like, having to piece that together. Again, it's, it's something that's not in the show, but I don't think that's a problem. I don't think it's a bad thing for us to change things up <sighs> a little bit. It would have been a lot of fun. Just Emma's POV only. But the stories are being told maybe, like, between chapters as dream sequences like and the chapters just keep starting with her like her waking up being like oh that was weird oh that was weird like and suddenly piecing together like suddenly she sees a storybook and it's the stories that she's been dreaming and then be like no no maybe i read this somewhere like she was kind of having those dreams before but they got like worse in storybrook because she was like Mm. closer to the source to the wishing well of rancid water that she just drank (laughs) (laughs) my theory still holds that none of this is true she's just like deep in the throes of cholera (laughs) (laughs) and yeah it's just the whole episode the whole chapter is just Jefferson explaining his own backstory to Emma in third person while we're seeing none of it. And then meanwhile, Mary Margaret is tied up in another room. And even though half of the book is spent in her POV, at no point do we get her POV in this whole experience, which I thought was kind of strange. Like, why not? It's an opportunity to give us a fresh perspective. What is Mary Margaret feeling? What is she experiencing when she's tied up? And... The problem, and I thought about this too, because once we accuse Mary Margaret of murder, we never get a full POV from her because we can't. We can't because she would just be sitting there thinking, I did not murder this woman. <laughs> I fully didn't murder this woman. All she, The only part of the POV we get is her being angry at David for not standing with her. Because even in the show, we don't know. There's not enough information to draw the conclusion that she didn't do it. And, like, you're like, oh, yeah, she's probably been framed, but, like, all of the evidence, like, you start kind of going, did she? Maybe she got tricked. Maybe something happened. No, in the in the show or in the book here, we can't go to her POV because it would just be her just being like, I didn't do it. We should find out who did it. You're like, oh, so she didn't do it, obviously. So, oh, I, I get it. Narratively, I, I understand that, but it's just, it just it's frustrating. a huge it, yeah. fly in the story. Yeah, if you were writing this book normally, you wouldn't be able to do this. You wouldn't have set out on this if you knew one of the POVs is, and then we accuse one of the people writing this of murder. The only way to do that is if you're doing like, a, I'm invoking Game of Thrones again, a Game of Thrones style book in which you'd go to like 15 different POVs where it <laughs> makes sense that we haven't gone back to her. Because like, there's an entire part of like Game of Thrones where, like, one of the characters is presumed dead, but he is a POV character, and they just keep not going to his POV. And then you flip the page, and it's his POV, and you're like, oh my god, he's alive! <sighs> like, it's, it's, you can do it. It's, it's doable, but again, this, it's not that. No. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> obviously. Yeah, Olivia Bean is, is no George R. R. Martin. But that no. said, she did finish the book. Odette. Odette. Odette Bean did finish. She the did book. finish it. Ooh, yes, correct. I have. Uh, we have been waiting for Winds of Winter our entire lives. Um, Odette one, George R. R. Martin zero. Got him. Uh, this, yeah, this whole chapter was just like a, a grave injustice to, and and I say this heavy in my own bias, but I do know that Jefferson is one of those characters up there with the Huntsmen because they don't reoccur as much as obviously so many other characters they are one of those like i wish we saw more of them now we do get more of hatter later through the show because obviously like sebastian chance shows back up but then he like you get that marvel money and pieces the hell out 
but it still like addresses one of like one of my favorite scenes in Once Upon a Time is him reuniting with his daughter. Spoilers. I don't obviously that's not part of this season. No. <laughs> is it? No. So it's we're not going to get that. But like this doesn't even set any of that up. You don't see how crazy he is. You're just like, "Oh, he believes Henry." But like Emma doesn't even connect that. She doesn't even say it out loud to him. For yeah. the most part, she kind of mentions just, it, but they're like, "Whatever." Yeah, she kind of just says like, "Oh, he's crazy. Oh, he's crazy. Oh, he's crazy." But it's it's it, it's just him calmly telling a story and she's like, "Oh, he's crazy." I'm like, "Well, he's just telling you a story. So, what's wrong?" I think my favorite my favorite line in the chapter is when uh, Mary Margaret uh, kicks kicks Jefferson, and then it says she kicked him hard in the center of his chest, and he went flying backward, arms windmilling. Woo! <laughs> I just the visual of that was so funny. I love the idea of him Woo! just falling out like a like a cartoon character. <laughs> um, yeah, I. Yeah, they do not do justice. I did, like, again, the reason I ended up in the, the old clip shows was because they portray what happens to him the same way they do with the show. And I wanted to confirm that of, like, he hits, he goes out the window, but then they look out and all they see is shattered glass and a top hat. I, I, I do appreciate that they keep explaining them as top hats. But they're not top hats. No. Like, it's not like a, like, this is not a hat a gentleman would wear. Um, aboard the Titanic, uh, these because they're bigger. They're they're. I love these hats. They are the big. They they got as big with the Mad Hatter hats as they could have, and so they're just fully not top hats. Um, anyway, yeah, disappointed by this chapter as I knew that I would. Also, what I'm sorry, what was it? Handsome in an unusual way. Yes. How dare you? How and, dare and, everyone? And call describe him as lanky. Lanky, get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> there is one moment at the end of the chapter that I do want to highlight because I actually really liked it. Um, okay. Because, you know, I want to make sure that we're we're highlighting the things that work for us because there are occasion nuggets here. This is a writer who, who writes. Like, she she knows what she's doing. Yes. It's just not a yes. good book. So it's when Mary Margaret and Emma are leaving. It's the very, it's the very final lines of the chapter. They're in the car and they're not talking. And... um. And Emma's looking over at Mary Margaret, just kind of peering out the window. And she says, for the first time, Emma considered how desirable it would be for Mary Margaret to believe she had a daughter and a true love and a whole history that meant love in her life. It was probably pretty appealing. And and this is after Mary Margaret asks Emma if she thinks the Hatter was that Jefferson was crazy. And then Emma just says, I do. And then Mary Margaret just says, yeah, me too. So like there's that I liked because there was an unspoken communication that was contradicted by the spoken communication. Like Emma was was in was had an intuition over what Mary Margaret was feeling because Mary Margaret is her mother and and was kind of she was empathizing with Mary Margaret's loneliness and like. I can imagine that she, you know, she's been so lonely and she's had this whole shitty situation with David. It probably is pretty appealing to have the idea that she has a family and this love in her life that she's forgotten about. And so I just, I just wanted to give that props because I thought it was very nice. I agree with you. That is very nice. I do wish it would have, and again, I just wish it would have connected a little bit more because these Mm -hmm. are the kind of compelling pieces where she's thinking that because of Jefferson. She's thinking, this guy lives up alone. He clearly has no one. He's clearly hyper fixated on making these weird top hats. And it's easier for him to believe that he lived a different life with a daughter and had this grand adventure than being just alone. And the same way with Henry. Henry is a lonely little boy. It would be so much easier to believe that everyone around him was a fairy tale character of hero of legend good or bad like it's a it's a it's you escape because sad and she but we get just the end of that mm-hmm. as if the whole jefferson part didn't mean anything yeah because here's the other part that bothers me about the jefferson story that i realized as i was reading it is that we aren't going to because again we aren't getting rumple's whole story with bell so that reveal will not be made to us. 
Jefferson's whole thing is that he then gets mad at Regina, releases Belle to go find Gold, and be like, hey, Regina kept me locked here. And, and she's like, Gold will keep you safe. We're, we're never going to see that. None of this will happen. No. None of that cool, awesome stuff will happen. It's just like, oh, yeah. And then Rumpelstiltskin was in love with some lady. It's whatever. Uh, and Jefferson's gone forever. And Jefferson's gone forever. Um, Whatever. Whatever. Um, And that's the end of the second of three parts of this yep. book. And yes, and next week we are going to close this out, close out this book so we can move on to Red Story. We want to thank all of you for joining us for this latest episode of our Once Upon a Timing Reawakened Book Club. If you want to listen to more, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. You can join the Facebook group for wonderful book discussions at facebook.com slash group slash Timing. And you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Timing. We want to thank our patrons for your love and support over the many, many years, especially our Swan Queen patrons. This week's Patreon shout out goes to Ryan Gregoricus. Thank you so much, Ryan. And thanks to all of you. And thank you for sticking with us as we uh, support the writers and the actors who make these shows possible. Or fingers crossed, it looks like they're getting closer to the bargaining table to actually have something happen uh, because the studios have been continually uh, putting their foot, they've been putting their foot in their mouth and then they've been shooting the foot. And then shoving the other foot in their mouth and then shooting that foot. Yeah. <laughs> it's been bad. Like the studios have, have they're, they're crisis PR firms. I think they've gone through about 40 at this point. Well, and also because the the actors are not backing, or actors and writers are not backing down. Nope. Um, I like as recently, whenever you listen to this, whatever. Um, I know that a bunch of the people from, um, both Critical Role and Dimension Twenty were down at the writers' strike, and Brennan Lee Mulligan ran an entire like campaign with all of them, like in a big horseshoe. It was wild. <laughs> he. So famously, this tangent, but famously, uh, Brennan Lee Mulligan ran like a LARPing camp for teenagers. So he went full LARP mode and was just screaming into a microphone. And he was like, where are my wizards? And they were like, I'm over here. And he had rogues and everything and walked them through a one shot of the strike. Like it's the a fantasy. It, That's find incredible. some of the videos. It's, it's amazing because obviously he's very supportive of like the writer's strike, but also like very famously anti-capitalist. So he had a lot of very uh, fun ways to paint it. So that's something fun to look into if you are of that. Um, I don't know of, of if you like Dimension 20 D and D that kind of runs that way. And they're just, you can tell that they're all still having like a very good supportive structure. Which yes. is something you need on those strikes. Like, when you have a strike like that, you need... I had, I guess until very recently, within, like, the last couple of years, honestly. I didn't realize how much went into uh, going on strike. Yeah. Like, there's, you need you need lines of not only communication, but, like, money. Because mm-hmm. there, you need to pay for so much stuff and support people. Because going on strike, obviously, is not a cheap thing. And there's so much support and infrastructure that goes into it. Absolutely mind-boggling. And the fact that they're still going strong and they're not flinching is amazing. And I'm very proud of them. And I hope they get everything they want. Because there are independent studios who are meeting those demands without flinching. Yep. They're like, absolutely, we can do those things. Why would we need your AI image for $187? We, we, we will not do that. And they're like, fine, sign <laughs> Amazing. I will give you all of the rights. Fantastic. Let's go. Let's go work. That's what they should do. Yes. We just want to work. We just all, We just want. We just want to work. We just want everyone to make great content, make great movies and shows, and we want them to get what they deserve. So, as long as they are fighting for that, we will be talking about books. Our we- book club. I will say, just to bring it back to the book club, it is not going to be that big of a a work to get to the end of this book because so I have an older Kindle uh-huh. um, instead of telling me pages it tells me location and like percentage oh I have that too yeah okay so what happened to Fe- Frederick starts at 56 percent of the book and the beginning of part three 
stable boy is at 76 percent oh so wow we, so we just have, yeah we only have a quarter of the book left yeah and we basically just read a quarter of the book this week so so no more the writer's like no more interesting chapters we're gunning through this everybody there's gonna be, there's gonna be probably i would guess at least two hilariously short chapters oh my god well, everybody, thank you so much for joining us. And we will be back next week with the rest of Reawaken, a Once Upon a Time tale. Well, Once Upon a Time tale from Once Upon a Timing. So thank you, everybody, again for joining us. And Abby, we'll see and read you next week. See you next week. 